Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm here with my co-host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guests and uh, what we're going to be talking about today? Folks, if you're in sales and you've not heard of or met Richard Smith, you're doing something wrong. It's time to change that. We have the man, the myth, the legend himself, part of the Refract team who has recently been acquired by Allego, which has been a pretty big move in the enablement world, in the sales coaching, call recording world. Uh, I've been looking into both companies for quite a long time. I know multiple people on both of their teams, but it's time that you met Richard. So I'm going to hand over to Richard to introduce himself. And then I'm going to start off with the origins of the company. Where did the idea come from? But Richard, why don't you say hello? Yeah, appreciate it, gents. Um, very kind introduction. Uh, and my my head is suddenly three times bigger than it was um, before we started the re- the recording. But um, that's no, my job. Uh... <laughs> that's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great to be on the uh, on the show. Uh, I'm, you know, the VP of Sales and one of the co-founders here at Refract, an Allego company. Um, six years into this now, uh, 13, 14 years in sales in general. Uh, learn, learned lots along the way, continue to learn a lot every single day and, you know, excited to um, answer some of your questions today. Okay, so let's get started with what it was like on day one. Where did Refract come from? How did it uh, come into the SaaS sales world? What was the day one like for you and the, and the founding team? Yeah, so Refract was really a, an idea that was born out of the experiences that uh, myself and Kevin, who was the CEO of Refract, had experienced <clears throat> predominantly in the last company that we worked for, last the software company that we that we worked for, which was a, a company called the, the Test Factory, um, which is where I sort of all got my start in sales as an SDR. Um, and the challenges that we experienced there, and I experienced as a salesperson myself, was you know, the, the, the challenges of not being coached uh, effectively, having to kind of figure out a lot of this, you know, a lot of stuff on as, as, I, as I sort of went, went by my day to day. I had, I was never really formally trained on sales, how to run a good sales call, how to do a good demo, how, how to do good discovery. It was just me just sort of making it up as I went along. Um, frustrations that you know there's people on my team who on the face of it I didn't think were any better than me um but but equally for some reason they were getting better results than I was um they were selling to the same customers and prospects and uh having better making more money than I was and clearly they were doing things differently when they were speaking to prospects but I just didn't have a clue about what that conversation really sounded like so all of these uh, learnings combined with when you looked at the industry, uh, some of the gross statistics around how many salespeople don't hit quota, um, how many managers uh, aren't coaching their reps to get better when they should be, um, really identified a big problem. And that really influenced uh, Refract, which is you know, a solution to all of that. It's about capturing conversations that sellers are having with their customers, uh, giving sales leaders valuable insights quickly into 
what's happening in those conversations uh, without them having to join live or sit through hours of recorded conversations, um, but also to help enable them and uh, enable sellers themselves to, 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 to get better at what they do, uh, figure out what top performers do more, uh, do better than the rest, what leads to successful outcomes, specifically on the conversation level where it all really counts. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the whole premise of Refract, um, how, it, how it got started. This was Kev's really kind of formulated the idea when he sold the test factory and said, hey, Rich, here's my idea. And at the time it was just a, whatever, a 40 page, 50 page long Google doc at the time. And and he said, do you want to help me get it off the ground? And the, um, yeah, the rest is sort of history. Um, so, uh, yeah. So was was getting acquired part of the plan? Was it something you were looking for? Like I know for AutoClose, for example, we just got acquired October of 2020, about five months ago. I was not looking to get acquired at all. It was actually at a conference where they just came up to us. Uh, we were in growth mode. So I wanted to see, hear your story, Richard, and if, see if this was something you, uh, you were out looking for or was it just kind of something that dropped on your lap? We never started Refract as like a lifestyle business. It was always with the intention of having an exit at, at some point. Um, maybe the, the question was like, when was the right time? Yeah. Um, and last year was such an interesting year because if you go back to March, April time when the pandemic hit, like many businesses, it, it it felt like the best part of two weeks that our world was on fire. It was like you're coming into, you know, we 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 would we had a big tailwind off the back of 2019. Um, really started to feel like the the wheels were in motion. Um, you know, start to see record record months of growth, and yeah. then boom, suddenly, you know, it was like every day coming in, and there was you know two or three new customer, like customers asking to pause the subscription or cancel or, hey, we've we've just signed up to Refract, but, you know, we've just furloughed our entire sales team overnight who are the, the primary use cases of your product. Um, and, it, like, it was it was um, really damaging. Uh, and if you'd said to me at that point, hey, in nine months' time, you're going to have grown 100% and you're going to be acquired, I thought you would have just been crazy. Just didn't – so felt so far away at that point. Um, but anyway, we did we did genuinely feel that even though it kind of felt a bit hectic at that point, everything that we do at Refract really ties in very nicely to this new w remote way of doing sales. People working from home, sales leaders with um, less visibility than they've ever had before in uh, how their sales team are executing. Um, and yeah, that kind of confidence, we had a bit of, bit of confidence that, that the world would, 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 would see that and Lo and behold, you know, we ended up having a great year last year and we were at the point of actually just, you know, about to raise some decent money at that, but in sort of late summertime yeah. as, a, as a new round, um, which would have been our, like, probably our proper Series A. Uh, up until that point, we'd had a bit of investment, but largely speaking, we were, we were like, in comparison to many, yeah. we were largely bootstrapped at that point. Um, and... Uh, yeah, at that point, Allegro, who we'd be, who we'd actually been working with, and we can obviously deep dive into this a bit deeper, for a, um, for about a year, um, kind of said, "Hey, before you before you hit the button on raising money, maybe we can make this conversation more meaningful." And we really just got totally bought into what their vision is over the next few years, and we just felt, "Hey, 
this just feels like a good fit. It feels like feels like we can get to where we want to be quicker down this route. Yep. And that's what uh, that's what led us to to making that decision. And then from start to finish. So when you started talking to Lego to when the actual exit happened or after, now, did you guys move on and start working for them or was there a time period you had to work for them after the acquisition? So just a bit of context. So Lego were actually, um, when I said we'd been working with them for about a year, they were licensing our technology as part uh, of their product. Okay. So we had like a strategic partnership in place with, with them. So we always felt that this might, they might come knocking on the door for something some a bit point. more meaningful at some point. Um, but as far as like start to finish, as far as them kind of, exp- you know, making an offer to the actual deal going through, yeah. it, was, it was a pretty quick, it was a pretty, it happened pretty quickly within a quarter. Oh, wow. So, so, you know, our acquisition was about 11, 10 to 11 months. So mm. a quarter is, uh, is, is definitely, uh, definitely. Now, anything that shocked you, you know, uh, you know, I know, you know, for example, for me personally, I, I, I went to school, did my MBA, took M&A courses and knew all about it. But until I was actually in it, um, things are a little bit different. Anything that shocked you in that quarter where you were discussing or negotiating that maybe, you know, looking back now said, you know what, I wish I would have negotiated that or, you know, I wish I would have looked at that. Like, you know, I know working capital is something that everyone talks about, for example. Um, anything that surprised you, Richard? Do you know, not not necessarily. I think they were really supportive. They were, and, and that's why we, they were very fair throughout the whole process. Um, there was obviously quite a lot of time pressure. They wanted to get the deal done before the end of the year. Um, and so there was a lot of, it was quite frenetic in that in that regards, and that's maybe why it got done done uh, quite quite uh, quite quickly. Possibly the one thing that surprised me was the the, the depth of due diligence that they wanted yeah. to carry out. Oh yeah. Um, it wasn't it wasn't can we speak to a couple of customers? It was can we speak to like thirty customers? Um, and that's a conversation that is very you've got to very carefully manage. With yep. customers as well um so yeah I'd, I'd say that was probably the one thing that stood out for me was like the the depth of you know dd that they wanted to carry out on us um but apart from that like they were v- it was very transparent very open very yep. fair process all the way along and, and and really you know just made us you know feel really comfortable at the end of the day so you know it's funny you say that now i will i will ask um just for my own knowledge because we we went through it looks like we both was that your first exit richard uh yeah as a as a founder yeah so some mine as well and the one thing that did scare me was so we ended up talking they tend to talk to 10 customers but i also felt like you know until we were right at the finish line i didn't want them reaching out to our clients but not only our clients i didn't let all of our employees know as well so only a few of our employees knew and we were really close with our employees so um how far before the actual exit i guess well you guys were three months it was probably in the last few weeks that you had them reach out to the clients um uh, so how far before the exit did you actually have them call and reach out to those 30 clients? Um, it was probably about, um, before the deal was done, it was probably about four weeks before the deal was done that they oh, were so having was... those conversations. Okay. And, you know, I think any smart customer would have probably had an idea as to what, the, like, we, we, you know, we positioned it as, here. these are, we're looking on taking on strategic investment, um, and would you be open to having a, a brief conversation with with uh, you know the, the company who's looking to partner with us? And I think if you had um, <laughs> if you were switched on, you probably got to read read between the lines as to what what was what 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 those interviews were really for. Um, but you you of course just want to 
in those situations, you don't want customers to think, hang on, if this happens, does that mean that you guys are just going to exactly. be cutting your, your technology off? Are suddenly you guys are going to disappear off the face of the earth, which is totally reasonable um, thoughts for, for clients to have. And so you just got to really manage that. And, and, you know, upon when the deal was done, we, one of the first things we do is shoot a communication out from the CEO to every customer, just reassuring them and actually saying this is actually a really good thing. Um, it's uh, this, this partnership means we can invest more and invest quicker in product development and service new better and you know it's 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 only going to be a positive thing yeah so first exit um uh, you know it's funny when we were going through it one of my team members like it's like having like getting like a like a belt around your waist it's almost like you know and for serial entrepreneurs it's like you know you're graduating public school you're then going to have to build something else graduate high school and then you're going to build something else and graduate graduate school how did you find um, being a first-time exit, and uh, you know, any any anything emotionally after the exit, like, did you feel like you know, like like what's next, or you know, what am I going to work on next, or I just got acquired, got a lump sum of cash equity, you know, whatever you guys, yeah. Getting. How did it feel? I mean, the first feeling was I was quite emotional to be honest, because as someone who'd been there since day zero before product even existed, to you know, for, for context, I think my my. Um, we had it last week. There was a day last week, and my CEO Kev actually put a post on LinkedIn about this to say today we've we've just closed as much business today as we did in the first like two years of Refract co- collectively, and it just kind of made me cast my mind back to those two you know first two to three years where it it was like a struggle. It was like you would you would you would kicking and screaming to get even small deals over the line, yeah. and just how different it feels now. Um, and so, and and obviously a lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes into you know went into that um, period to make it a success. That when the deal was done, I, I genuinely was kind of a bit overwhelmed, and you know you kind of sort of just feels like you know undoubtedly the biggest accomplishment accomplishment of my of my life. Maybe it will end up being the biggest accomplishment. And so, um, I think that was the first sense. And you know, on the night that it happened, we. Uh, Myself and the other management team, we got on a Zoom call, and because we couldn't be in person, we just stayed up, <laughs> stayed up till sort of two in the morning on Zoom, uh, drinking, just sharing stories of the uh, of the olden days, so to speak, which was really nice. Um, I think, as far as has anything, um, any realizations or surprises post uh, deal? Again, I wouldn't say so. And I think this was one of the main reasons why we why we did this is because we were so culturally aligned with what with the lego as well this was never good we were never looking unless it was we were never looking to hey we're going to sell the business and that's and we're going to run into the sunset um it was very much like hey we were um this is about becoming part of something potentially a lot bigger um and so we were really excited about the vision that lego have over the next over the next few years um as a team as people we just feel so very closely aligned and connected um and so and they've been very intentional that they say hey you know this year is about whilst we're kind of properly integrating the two products together and such like we just want to get out of your way let you let you carry on the good stuff that you did last year and and so in many respects it hasn't life doesn't feel too much different to what it did uh, last year with us yeah Uh, you know i i say my role hasn't changed. My title has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about it. So um, we have a, two more questions. First question I have for you is what's next for Richard? Yeah, so it's really, um, 
you know, I'm, I've now one of the benefits of having this, uh, of being acquired and having all this additional investment is we can now grow the teams. So I'm, you know, quickly building out the sales team here at Refract. We're pretty much come the end of next month, we'll have, we'll have nearly doubled the sales team um, just in the space of, you know, uh, uh, two, two to three months. Um, and really, you know, it's my, my job now is to deliver a great, great, uh, deliver, the, deliver the number, uh, make yeah. a team successful. Um, and, you know, I think because of the ambitions of the company, you know, we, we, we've got visions over the next few years to really build out a, um, a strong sales organization here. Um, and so my role is just going to get, you know, bigger and more expansive. And I think I've, I've got a lot to learn on that front. You know, um, the reality is I'm, I'm 33. I'm, I've got so much to learn. I'm still relatively young as far as the role that I'm performing. Uh, and I'm very cognizant of that. And, you know, there's one of the things I can do is um, at Lego, there's people who've been there and done it far more than I have that I can now learn from and, um, yeah, so it really is about, you know, for me, life is not is not too different. It's about hey, this is the goal we have for the for the bigger business now, and it's just about um, you know, helping the helping the to grow the team and and yeah. and, and do the numbers. So pandemic aside, exit aside, you're also now an author, Richard. I am struck for how you've got the work ethic to do all of that in. Uh... <laughs> in at one time so tell us about where the idea for the book came from and i know books are just so much work to get off the ground and to get it through publishing and then promotion yeah all that stuff so how did you find that whole process so you're right i mean to be completely honest we were totally naive as to how much work was involved um and i totally underestimated it and it, it we, we actually did a calculation myself mark and Stu, my two co-authors who, you know, we, we formed the sales management team at Refract. We, we both kind of, we all like looked at how many collective hours we'd invested in the book last year. And it was, it was mind blowing, to be honest. Um, I how bet it all so came many about. people do that as well. I bet everybody comes up like 20% what it ends up being. Oh yeah. And once you've started, it's, it's hard to like, you know, pull the plug in it, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, how it started, we did some sales boot camps last year when the pandemic hit. It was just it was a random idea that I had to say, hey, let's just do some boot camps. There's a lot of people who are going to be struggling now. They're at home fighting the good fight. Many young sales professionals who've started, who really have probably, they've started their roles at the start of this year and now they're having to work from home cut off. I said, why don't we just do some boot camps, which is not nothing about um, promote and refract. It's just us sharing everything that we've learned when it comes to prospecting in sales. So we, we just, didn't put any promotion behind it aside from just our LinkedIn uh, accounts. And we literally had hundreds of people register and attend week after week at these things. It was quick. It was pretty mind blowing when we said like, Oh, let's, let's aim to get 50 people along to one of these things. And we had like on the first, the first, uh, first bootcamp, I think we had like close to 700 people show up. It was ridiculous. And then it was, once we'd done a couple, we saw that people were getting so much value from them. It was Mark who said, oh, shall we write a book? And initially it was like, we're just going to write sort of like a digital PDF that we could share with people. But then um, in fairness to, to Kev, uh, who's always been massively supportive, he said, gents, if you're going to do this, do it properly. Like, you know, I'll, the, the company will help um, will help kind of uh, sponsor some of the things that you might need doing for the book. So um, 
and at that point was like, what? Write a book? Like I thought only like you know um, famous people wrote books, but actually. Uh, it was quite enjoyable. The, the actual writing of the book was the most enjoyable thing. The, the, the least enjoyable thing was everything that came after the book, the proofreading, the chopping and changing, the working with an editor, the, the publishing process. Just that, that took like two or three times longer than the actual writing of the book itself. Um, and it was just, you know, evenings and every weekend just jumping on Zoom with the guys and us just reviewing each other's <laughs> reviewing each other's work and, and all the rest of it so that's how it all came about and we, we 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 wanted the book to be seen as this hey this is like your practical handbook for prospecting this is not just like some kind of wishy-washy theory and you know um us telling grand stories of our careers in sales this is like hey come to chapter two to learn how to leave amazing voicemails come to chapter four if you want if you want some great ideas of writing some good cold outbound emails come to chapter 11 if you want to figure out how to write great linkedin posts to to drive more conversations um and we were staggered again totally blew up blew our minds how many how people have responded to this book how many people have bought it we've been a bestseller in some sales categories on amazon um it has been again we just we we almost did it as a bit of a laugh uh in many respects and it ended up just getting a lot uh, you know a lot bigger than that albeit we haven't exactly <laughs> uh you know spent loads of money on marketing and promoting it but there you go <laughs> perfect well let's wrap things up here but before we do i have one last question for you richard where do you currently self-educate yourself? Do you listen to podcasts, read books? And if you have any of your favorite to tell us, let the audience know, please do that. And then also just let the audience know where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, I invest a lot of time in uh, self-education. So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, big fan of uh, Daryl's Inside Inside Sales as uh, on one of my subscription list. Um, I, I, read loads of content i read sales books i'm reading um i'm reading for the second time at the minute uh david sandler's uh book um which he was the founder of, of sandler training um as refract we we uh we are in the uh sas academy run by dan martell so we all yep. do like uh weekly um weekly trainings and and and, and, and things as part of that um and as, you know as a business we we drink our own champagne prolifically you know we're constantly doing call reviews and you know in fact this morning in this morning's team coaching session one of my own calls was up for for analysis by the entire team so i always want to get better at what i do as well so you know if if, if, if you're not getting better you're getting still so that's a big um big principle of mine and if you want to find out um, more about me best place is is LinkedIn, uh, search for Richard Smith Refract. Don't search for Richard Smith. There are tons of us out there in the world. Uh, so you might need to be a bit more specific. But yeah, if you uh, if you find me on there, connect with me and yeah, it'd be good to, good to be a part of your network. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for joining us today. Uh, that was an absolute blast. Thank you also to everybody listening. If you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you are listening from and subscribe so you don't miss the next show. Once again, um, thank you everyone for listening. And Richard, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Ollie.